This is Casual Babble. Hello, you beautiful individual. Welcome back to the show. My name is BC Babbles, and you're joining me joining me on another episode of Casual Babble and the first virtual episode, virtual interview for the show. I'm being joined today live from D.C., Mr. James Schlosser. How are you doing today? Doing just great, man. How about you? How are you doing? Doing pretty good. I don't know how weather has been up there in D.C., but we've been just kind of getting slammed down here over in North Carolina. I don't know about this whole... Uh, bow echo thing they keep talking about just this wave upon wave of kind of hurricane weather i don't how has it been up there yeah it's been um there's kind of been weather all over the place you know being in the in the roofing industry we we, we kind of have to track a lot of the hailstorms that we do and uh so yeah we got I mean, two storms i think in the past you know two weeks so it's just been yeah a, a lot of a lot of cra- a lot of crazy weather up here but uh, and very hot as well. We're kind of, you know, 80s and 90s right now. So Gotcha. Has it been pushing? A lot of water time with the kids. A lot of time with the kids? Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, with work, it has pushed us back a little bit. I mean, it's something that we, in, like, inevitably have to deal with, you know, um, with just our roofing installs. You know, those kind of get pushed back a little bit. But uh, we're usually pretty good about catching up on stuff. Well, very cool. So you pretty much jumped into it already. You are, uh, you're pretty much, from what I gather, this like sales um, prodigy, <laughs> and you've you've spent your your <laughs> career within the roofing industry. But um, what I love about what I've come to understand about your journey so far is that, you know, from what I've seen, you pretty much hit the ground running in sales, having this knack for really kind of getting the numbers in, um, closing and really kind of being a bit of an all-star in your field. But at some point, something started to shift for you. You noticed um, there was a lack of, if I can say, a lack of balance somewhere. And it's one of the things that you, as not only a salesperson, but as someone who engages other professionals and companies in the sales sphere about, and that is burnout. So can you tell me a little bit about your lead up to when that began, when, when did you start noticing that there was this, would you call it a wall or kind of a pitfall or just kind of like a, a, a skew in your, in your path? What was that like? Yeah. You know, that's such a good question, man. And I, I think for me, it kind of came down to just this, the societal understanding of, you know, men kind of being providers, like, you know, you're a man and you're married and you have kids and this is what you do. You work really hard and you make lots of money and you be successful and provide all this stuff for your family, which is all really good and true. The thing is, is that it's shortchanged because as men, we are called to so much more than just that. So for me, when I started roofing, you know, it's a, it's a sales job, you're door to door, hundred percent commission. I mean, this is like, you know, r- rubber, rubber meets the road here, man. Um, it's a boots on the ground kind of job. And so, uh, it is very difficult and, um, we, you can get a lot of high turnover in the industry. People who are like, yeah, I want to make a lot of money and be in charge of my own schedule. And, you know, um, you know, kind of knock when I want to and, and, and take time to do other stuff when I want to, but what they fail to understand is that you got to push through this massive wall of rejection and people saying no and people not being home and, you know, uh, deciphering, do I go to that, this door because it got a German shepherd out front and it's a really nice door, but I don't want to get bit by the German shepherd. I've bitten by dogs twice. I've been bitten by a dog 
twice. So, um, yeah, that has some really interesting, like, uh, just, just psychological reactions to it. But, um, you know, but for me, it was one of those things where, you know, the first six months it's, I'm switching from a really kind of, kind of cushy job that I, you know, I'm, I'm making good money. It's, it's going to be, it's, you know, my boss is taking care of me. He's giving me good work, all this kind of stuff to like hundred percent commission door knocking. So for the first six months, it's like, you know, we had just had our first baby. My wife just stopped working to, to be a stay at home mom. So for six months, I'm just going out like all the time. And I, I don't cut myself a break. I don't give myself a break. And I think that there's something to that. Um, you know, like starting out, you got to kind of build your sales pipeline. It can be really hard. But I remember, you know, starting in October and then in April, it's like, you know, I was in a really good spot. I had a good pipeline. Um, I could take some time to breathe. And so we went to San Diego for a week. And the first, it was the first time that I'd really taken some time just to rest and relax and spend time with the family and go hang out in a really cool city. I don't know if you've been to San Diego, but, um, it's a super, super fun place. And, um, I remember the first three days of that vacation, I had a fever and was in bed for three days because I finally gave myself a chance to breathe. And my body just was like, oh, dear God, thank you. This like so grateful that you're just resting. And um, coming back, it was just very much like I really have to just pace. Like the idea of like I have to pace myself kind of really came you know, to be. And then um, I just, it's been a big struggle of just like, how do I, um, how do I just sort of balance everything? You know, I mean, one of the things that I've been, I've been researching, looking into is ADHD and so many people are like, James, do you have like, like ADD or ADHD? And, uh, you know, you, you, you look at what it is and I'm like, ah, pretty, pretty sure I have it, you know? So balance has been something that's been so tough because, just my mind can just go all over the place. And it's just like, I need a systematic way of just kind of going about life and work and family and all this kind of stuff. And so I've just kind of had to build that for a while. So, yeah. So when it comes to, would you, <clears throat> would you say there was kind of a, there's kind of a half and half role there where partially it's, it's the expectations put on you on society as the man of the house, you know, you, you mentioned your wife just said you guys had your first kid. She's at home. Um, and so yeah. you feel the societal demand to be out there and be just on it. But is there also just the other, the other half of that role is that, well, I need to do this or I feel I need, need to do this, but I need to make sure that I make these other conscious decisions to balance that out. Yeah, exactly. I think um, uh, there's this this researcher from Boston College, uh, Mahalik, and Brene Brown noted her noted him. I think in in one of her books. If you don't know who who Brene Brown is, she talks a lot about um, she, uh, she talks a lot about uh, shame and vulnerability. And, you know, she's, she, so she's citing this research from Boston College about, like, what do men need to conform to societal norms? And um, two of those things were work is n number one and you pursue status. And I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of unhappy people out there that are doing those things, but they're not, they're, they're not really happy. So for me, I just sort of had to realize, like, Yes, I need to provide. Yes, I need to do these things. There, you know, work is a is a very honorable thing to be doing, and 
as humans, we're, we're built to work, we're built to create, we're built for movement. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, I have to put in, you know, a lot, a lot of time and a lot of, I think, attention into just doing the other things in life, you know, uh, with my community, with, you know, um, with my faith, with my friends, with my family, you know, and work, like work can't be, you know, the number one or the all consuming thing or just this constant pursuit of just like how, you know, I want to be successful, make a lot of money. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting here now, you know, kind of being one of the top roofing sales reps in the industry. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's not about the roofs. It's not about the work. It's not about the money. It's about literally the balance. And what I've discovered last year is being, being able to have a balanced lifestyle where I'm, you know, doing these other things, um, taking care of all the different areas of my life as best as I can. I'm not doing it perfectly by any means, but, um, but that actually giving me so much confidence when it's like, you know, I, I give time to my family, I give time to my faith, I give time to my community, how that the intentionality when you get to work is so, is so powerful, right? It's like, it's like people look at work and they're like, oh yeah, let's just go like pursue success and make money and all this kind of stuff. And it's like the tip of the iceberg. And the rest of success is, is all the things that you don't see. You know, it's all the times when I'm not doing podcasts or when I'm not talking or when I'm not doing all these, you know, these things are going out and working and knocking doors. Um, and so I feel like this, you know, we need to be looking at the entire ecosystem of success, you know, making sure that we're taking care of all those, of all the things like, 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 like the fullness of life, like what are the things that I value and then investing in those values, like your life depends on it. Um, and then, yeah. And then money and the, the financial success is a result of the fact that you're living a full life as best as you can. And that's sort of like what I've been able to like really discover, which is why I'm so passionate about this work-life balance topic, because I mean, it really is. It's just like, instead of just like pursuing work and then, you know, cause how, how many millionaires are divorced, right? How many billionaires are addicted to drugs, right? It's, it's like they're pursuing this thing, but, you know, underneath it all or whatever, there's just, there's a lot of dysfunction, a lot of toxicity. And so it's like, if we, if we choose to live life from, from this, the, the quiet unseen things and trying to do those perfectly, you know, the intentionality when you do get to work, what we know when you are pursuing your career, it just, things come together so much better. So talk a little bit about what that evaluation for you began to look like. You've You've hit this point where the the burnouts hit you. You're you've you know you're on your vacation, but you're sick because you're finally giving yourself a bit of time to rest, and you're realizing how much of the lack of doing so beforehand isn't finally impacting you. And now you're at a point where you can either keep going where you've been doing, or you can start to reevaluate those elements that you speak on today as having a balance between whether or not it's uh, your faith, your work, your family life. How did that reevaluation um, come into view for you? What was your step in moving in that direction like? Yeah. So the, the thing of it is, is I've been with this company now for almost five years. And 
I mean, it took several years to figure it out. So the first six months, it's like, great, work hard, do that. Okay. And then it's like, you know, I burn out in California and come back and I'm like, okay, need to take time and just like really kind of balance it out. Um, you know, and so it's like, I, I kind of hit a place where it's like, I was sort of kind of able to do that. Um, but then it just got to where, you know, I mean, I never came from money. I never grew up with a lot of money. And so now it's just like, you're, you're in a professional field and you're doing sales and you're really successful. And this idea, this complacency hit in. So for me, it like what went from like one end of the spectrum, which is just like working like crazy to the other end of the spectrum, which is not really working much at all, you know, being able to kind of maintain it. And then, um, you know, 2021 for me was just this come to Jesus moment of, um, you know, we, we, we kind of went through a lot. Um, we discovered we had mold in our house and, uh, I mean, it really, really, it was, a, it was a very, it's a very dangerous thing. I'm kind of realizing this now. Um, but I mean, we, I lost a lot, you know, we drained our savings. We were, you know, paying for different contractors to come in and try to fix it. And, you know, I, I was in this mode of complacency and just realizing like I had a talent in sales and I wasn't, I just wasn't looking at it through, through the right lens. And so for me, it was, you know, I'm on one end of the spectrum then I'm on the other end of the spectrum, you know, with, with, with the burnout and the complacency and, you know, from a complacent standpoint. And so for me, it really just came down to, you know, the end of 2021. I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm depressed. I mean, we're, you know, our bank accounts totally drained. My pipelines, you know, not doing very well. Um, I was already at the top of my company in sales and I had dropped, like I, you know, it, I did like, didn't even hit like a million in sales, which, you know, can get you into like a really good running as far as the industry. If you're closing a million in sales, you're a pretty good rep, um, in, in roofing sales. And so I just realized like, I have to go out and work, but I have to do all these other things too. So it wasn't just like, cool, go out there and work and hustle and be hard. It was like, do those things, but do it for a higher purpose. And what I basically kind of had to come to was I just kind of had to ask myself, like, James, what do you value? Like, what do you actually value in life? And how is your, how is the, your life and the time that you're spending reflecting the values that you have? And so I just, it was just this, this realization that so much is off kilter and I have to kind of recenter it. I had to create certain boundaries around my time and around you know, the things that I value and hold those things really precious, you know, and make sure that I'm being attentive to that. And so, um, you know, I tell everybody like, look, I got three value systems and these are the things that are the most important to me. And the first one is God without him, I'm totally screwed, you know? <clears throat> and so, um, I make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, growing as best I can in that area. Second thing is, is my marriage and my family, you know, I have to make sure that, that, you know, I'm, I'm giving time to that because at the end of the day, if it's one of the biggest issues that we have right now is, is poor fathers. Like I was, I was at, a, I was at a conference earlier this year, 2,700 people and the speaker saying my dad was, was my hero. Like, I love my dad. He was my hero. How many of you can call your dad, your hero? And he asked people to raise their hands and 10% of the people in the room raised their hands, a room of 2,700 people and less than 300 people are raising their hands, that's an issue. That's a problem. And that spans throughout society, right? And so for me, I'm, I'm realizing like, you know, if I want to change the world, if I want to do a good job, 
um, you know, on this earth with my life? Like, what's one of the things that I can do? What's going to have the biggest impact, right? And it's not going to be like being an influencer on Instagram. You know, you can have impact that way. It's not going to be be a famous podcaster and all that kind of stuff. That's not it. Like, like the thing that's going to produce the most amount of change and the most positive change, just go be a good dad. You know, like go be a good husband. Like those are the things that can legitimately change, change the world and have a positive impact on it, you know? And so that's why that's my second value. And then after that, it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it, it's work. It's, it's, you know, how can I help other people? How can I influence other lives? Those are really important, but those come after the first two, you know? And so, so that's kind of the shift that, that came was just like, you know, um, I had it all and then, and then eventually lost it all in, in, in 2021 and had to, had to work really hard and gain that back, but did it from this balanced standpoint. And when I, when I approached life from that, um, I know there's a really, I was, I was pretty beaten and broken down, you know, in January of 2022, but when I used that system and approached life from that standpoint, that's what got me, you know, 3.1 million in revenue and sales, you know, one of the top reps in the entire industry. Um, and that's how I was able to like actually really scale it. Mm -hmm. So I want to so. kind of retouch on a couple of things you mentioned there. Um, part of it's the fatherhood and we'll get, and we'll get to that. The other part of it is you, you mentioning, you know, when you started setting those boundaries and I wanted to inquire in that moment, was there ever a, a struggle for you? And I come and I ask this question coming from the perspective of there's this um, part of it is perspective, but part of it is, is also societal practice where um, bosses, managers want people under them to relinquish arguably a, a larger amount of their agency than they should. So when it came yeah. to you setting those boundaries, was there ever did anyone present to you the struggle of, you know, you're trying to re retain a healthy amount of your agency, but someone else still wants you to kind of, uh, to relinquish it for the sake of operations. Yeah. Okay. That, 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 that's a great question. And let me just start by saying I work for a contracting company out here called roof simple in Virginia. And I mean, the owners really started the company because the, you know, they were both in different jobs and, working a ton and they're like, we've got to find a way to support our families. They both had, you know, growing families, having more children. And so they kind of came upon, you know, roofing and contracting and they had had some experience in it, but the goal of the company really, and their values really are, you know, number one is, is family is first. Um, number two is do the right thing. And number three is give a shit. Like that's the values of the company. And so, so, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, like, I mean, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, we've been around for like eight years. We haven't grown as fast as other companies, but, um, the foundation that we're, that we've created, the business plan that this company has is unbelievable. So for me, when it came down to performance, um, they had a threshold, but for the most part, they're like, we want you to go live a good life. So, I mean, it wasn't this you know, like what you see a lot of times in, in, in corporate of just like, yeah, like, you know, we want you to surrender your agency to us. And I've seen, you know, other companies do that for sure. 
for this one, they were like, we actually want to give you, we actually want to help you build your agency, you know? Um, and it was, it was being in that environment, that work environment. I feel like for me where it's like, I want to give back, you know, I've had so many people say, Oh, James, you should go start your own roofing contracting company. And, uh, you know, you're so good and you're so talented and like, you know, you understand the, um, the cruise and the install side of it. So you understand the tech technicalities. You also understand sales and business. You should go do it. And for me, I'm just like, no, like, like why, why would I do that? I have it so well at this company, you know, I could do more, but then it's like, you know, I also, you know, am taking on a lot of the liability. So for me, it's like for them just to sort of like release the pressure valve and be like, Hey, we want you to work, but we don't want you to kill yourself. We mostly, we just want you to live a really good life. And this is, we have an opportunity here for you so you can do that. And it's just allowed me to flourish in such a beautiful way. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen anything like this. I mean, it's just so unbelievably genuine and authentic. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. And it makes you wonder too, when you, when you mention that, uh, despite the quality of the business, uh, what am I trying to say? The, um, business model that your, your company has, but despite that other companies are growing so much faster, it makes you wonder what is their, what is their trade-off? You know, is there, you know, is the growth because they're trading off too much in that quality that ideally people would be able to have more access to? Yeah. I think this idea of, um, trying to have it all doesn't really exist. Like there are trade-offs for everything, you know? So if you want, if you want to have it all, if you want to attempt to have it all, you have to move very, very slowly, you know, because, because it's what just all means, what is, what does it mean yeah. to have it all? Cause like, I mean, we can, yeah. like, and, and like, for instance, I've recently started binging the, the show suits and like there in that perspective of have it all is like high luxury corporate thousand dollar outfits, cars, places to live, whatever, but people are miserable. <laughs> With that, and it goes yep. back to what you mentioned about yep. billionaires who are either, you know, divorced seven times over or have, you know, different addictions for the sake of trying to cope yep. with having it all. So it's real. I think it's really yep. important to make sure that you have that thorough definition of what it means to have it all, and then from there decide what the best course of action to approach that is going to be. Yeah, and I think just being vulnerable with yourself. Like that's something else that's not talked about. Be vulnerable with yourself and just ask yourself, what do I actually want in life? And why the hell do I want it? Well, why am I fighting so hard for whatever it is? And maybe it's good and maybe it's not, but why are you fighting so hard? What is your end goal and why are you doing it? You know, because I think a lot of, you know, going back to like, you know, the societal pressures on men it's, it's this idea of just like, yeah, pursue status and wealth and all this stuff and give your family a good life, like give them a comfortable life. And, um, they do that and they're never around. And at the end of the day, like, you know, their wife is lonely and the kids are lonely and you know, their dad's around every once in a while. And it's just, you really have to ask yourself, like, what do I actually want? You know, and why am I doing this? What, what, what's the end goal? And so when you feed that back into the idea of fatherhood and you mentioned that conference you were at where like only 10% of the people mentioned that or raised their hand mm -hmm. acknowledging that they can call their father their their hero. 
So then would you say then one of the, not only the questions men need to ask themselves is what do I want, but does the, would you say, is it a question or is it a statement that they need to reflect on where I know you grew up in this era of here's your societally determined role, but does that equate to happiness and what steps should you feel you can take to break out of that and then find themselves in a position similar to yours where you are flourishing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can... think the first. Yeah, no, I, so I, I, I think, you know, you say this should it be a question or a statement. And I want to be really careful saying make a statement about it because that presumes that you know something. And I think the reality is you, there's a better chance that you don't. So I think something is really important is to get curious. So that's why I think asking a question is really good because asking, a, asking yourself a question can, can really help you dig more into um, defining what your values are and what you actually want instead of saying, these are what my values are. It's like, well, are they? How about if you ask yourself, what are my values? Like, what do I spend my time doing? Why am I spending my time doing that? Is this really important? So one of the things that I teach literally in helping people define their values is I use this old Socratic method called memento mori, which is uh, to remember your death. And what I basically tell people is I say, if you had two weeks left to live, what would you do? Who would you spend your time with? What does that look like? You've got two weeks left to live. Like this might be the first time that you've actually understood how unbelievably precious your time is. It is the most valuable thing that you have to offer yourself or anybody around you is your time. So what are you going to do? You got two weeks and then you're done. The doctor said, you have something that's incurable. You got two weeks left to live. What are you going to do? That's your values. So when you start getting curious about that, when you start asking yourself those questions, that's the basis from which we need to be approaching life every day because you and I are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not, you know, I may not make it home tonight. I can't guarantee that. Right? So I have to live super intentional every day you know, from the standpoint of my values. And from there, there's just this fulfillment that you can, that you get. And that, and success and, and whatever comes from that is a result of that, that mindset. No, I love that. So taking this all in, your perspective on balance with the different facets of your life, now, moving that into the realm in which you've been thriving in for a hot minute now. So going back to mentioning how you're pretty much a sales superstar. and But uh, what I wanted to, to ask you now is going back to when you and I initially conversed, I think like two weeks ago now, I told you that, you know, I've been trying to do some sales for a company, but I told them, you know what, this is not a function I feel I can really optimally be in. So, and even before you hit your burnout stage, you've been, you, you know, hit the ground running, you, you were doing insanely well. Yeah. What mm-hmm. would you say you knew or didn't know that, no, no. What, what would you say that you knew about yourself that told you that sales is definitely something 
that I can thrive in. Like I like I know this is definitely the avenue that I'm optimal in. Like for anyone out there wondering, looking into the sales avenue, wondering what it takes, wondering what disciplines to have, what to expect, um, how much versatility to have, what kind of mindset to aim for, what would you say ha- helped you across the board through your sales journey be as successful as you have been thus far? So, so I mean, I, I think personality does have something to do with it. I wouldn't say it's the biggest thing. I mean, I'm pretty out, outgoing. I'm, you know, sanguine. And so all that's helpful. You know, I can, you know, chat with anybody about, you know, whatever, uh, make small talk. I, I can do all that. So that really helps. But I think even, even more than that is it really, um, it just comes down to looking at the whole scope of just like, what do I, you know, like, what am I doing? What am I selling? What does it look like? What are the conversion rates? Um, what, you know, and every sales is going to have some sort of rejection. So just really kind of getting honest with yourself about, can I handle rejection? Uh, because at the end of the day, it's like in my industry, we, we have this rule, this average of 40 doors to assign. So you got to knock 40 doors to get somebody to say yes. So that's either 40 pe- you know, people who aren't a mix of people aren't home, people who are interested, but they're not just quite there yet, or people who are just flat out, you know, telling you to get off their property or they're going to call the police. You know, you like you get the whole, the whole caboodle there. So, um, so you can, you can look at that and knock your 40 doors and get totally beaten down and be like, Oh, you know, nobody wants what I have to sell. I'm getting rejected. I feel down about myself. Or you can look at it from the standpoint of just like, Hey, I got to knock 40 doors and somewhere inside of those 40 doors, I'm going to get a win. So Every no, every rejection, every, you know, what might look like a failure is really just a step towards what ultimately is going to bring you success. And then you just rinse, wash, repeat that, you know? So if you can look at like, okay, if I want to get 10 jobs a month in roofing, I got to knock 400 doors. Well, let's break down the math, right? But knock 400 doors a month, that's a hundred doors a week. And so I just got to figure out what, what am I going to do? You know, what time, what hours, what weeks to knock a hundred doors this week and get it done. Right. And I'm going to go out there and do, and do it again. And you start looking long term like that. That's ultimately what is going to yield you results. Right. It's getting in the reps and just and just and just doing it. And to be honest with you, I think anybody can do the door knocking. I know I'm in door knocking and I say that, but I've just seen it so many times where it's like if you understand what you're selling and what you're doing, you just got to go in and get reps. Right. So, I mean, that's really all that there is to it. And the more reps, the more repetitions you do, the better you get. If you've never done a push up before, like your first, first push up isn't going to be great. But if you keep that up over time, you know, you're going to start doing like, you know, David Goggins, Jocko Willink type push ups, and they're going to be really good. But you just have to get those repetitions in. You know, that's how you get good at anything. Now, when you initially start out and you're, you're hitting the street and you're going door to door, do you, did you ever have, any kind of mental impediments, like any kind of, you know, a little imposter syndrome. That's something I like to talk about a lot. Um, any, did you have any yeah. moments where you're like, God, who like, should I be selling this? Do I know enough about this? Did you have any impediments, mm-hmm. not impediments, but any kind of obstacles like that, that hit you initially? Um, I mean, yeah, there, there are definitely days where you get kind of beaten down and, and, and you don't want to do this. And, um, you know, it can kind of hit you, but I, I think for me at the end of the day, the, the best way that I learned to combat that is realizing like, 
there are so many other people that I knew, thankfully, in the industry that were successful. And I'd seen them before they got in the industry. Um, not that they're doing poorly, but it's just like I saw them start out as well and now gets a, a place where they're successful. So I think the, with the imposter syndrome, a big thing is just having having a community of people who are doing the same thing um, and just keeping in touch with them and encouraging each other um, and getting after it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think working on a team is, is really good and helpful as well, because then you can also trade off ideas, too, about like, here's what works, here's what doesn't work. But um yeah, I think imposter syndrome is going to is going to live really well and you're going to feed imposter syndrome really well if you're living in isolation. So, if you're able to squash the isolation and get in community and get with other people, imposter syndrome is going to have a much harder time thriving. Now, would you in on top of that, would you say that not only do you need the community, but you need a community that helps you retain those important levels of agency as well. Like it's one thing to have a community, but if I want, I worry like if it's a community where everyone's kind of, uh, hmm, how do I reword this? How do I reword this? I'll come back to it. Never mind. <laughs> Lost no, it's right. fine. It's fine. No, I, so, I mean, I, um, um, actually, I, I think, I, I think I might know where you're going with this. You're wondering, is there a community where it's just like people aren't clicking and there's tension and like imposter syndrome can still live in community. Is that kind of what you're asking? Not clicking, but also everyone is still kind of in that early onset of they haven't found the balance yet. So is it about finding a community yeah. where everyone else kind of already has found that? That way you're not, it's not a quote unquote kind of toxic community and there you can go in there and grow as opposed to kind of wearing yourself down with everyone else. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think that, I mean, c community makes a big difference. So if you're living and working around people who have good work-life balance, then great. But if not, at the end of the day, um, if, if we have our own agency, then we're also responsible for that as well. And it really just comes down to personal responsibility. This is something that, that you just are going to have to figure out um, how to do and how to do well uh, wherever you are. So. Now, you mentioned yeah. earlier that, the, that you, getting to, you being called on to speak to other companies, other sales leaders is a newer element to your life. But thus mm -hmm. far, what would you say you love talking to people about the most? What is one of the kind of your, what is your favorite subject and, or what is one of the, one of the main subjects that you're typically called upon thus far to engage with people regarding? Yeah, I think people just really want the secrets to success. Um, and what I love sort of talking about and, and discussing really is this idea of, of less is more. Like you want success, but you don't need success, right? So you come at it not with this desperation. It's kind of like dating, right? Like if you need to date a girl, she, you're, you're, like she's going to get turned off. Like she doesn't want somebody who needs her. She wants somebody that wants her, but not somebody that needs her. So I think there's 
that element can can really you can take that in so many different areas of life. Um, so I think I think for me, just the understanding of and what I love telling people is just like, you know, less oftentimes can become more, you know, and and it, again, just going back to like, what do you actually really want in life? Like if you're killing yourself with something, why are you doing that? Gotcha. And for let me see here, uh, we've covered so we've covered so much ground. I love I love it, and but it also leaves me at like a loss of questions uh, <laughs> at this point in the conversation. Okay. Um, what kind of what I want to know is how do you keep yourself kind of in that knowledge source mindset? How do you keep yourself? up to date with trends practices because if you're if you're being called on you know you want to you want to know and feel comfortable that what you're providing is is timely you know it's it's something that can always have a resonance so what do you do to kind of keep yourself um capable of providing that incredibly timely information that incredibly timely insight into what has helped you over time get to where you are not, not sure, sure i quite, quite understand the question that's good because i'm not quite sure either um so let me try <laughs> let me try to rework this oh, good, bro. um um man this is the first time i've been like, i've been like so blocked with the question but it's also because again we've covered so much ground here uh which is great yeah i think the other part i think hmm Okay, let me try. Let me try this angle. How important is it for you, as not only as someone who is in sales, as someone who's a closer, someone who speaks to others? How important is it for you to remain in a student mindset? That's a big thing for a lot of people in different spheres to remain in kind of the student mindset, so they are so that you're constantly looking to acquire more information. Yeah. Talk about that element if it if it correlates with you. No, I think we all we always need to be in a place where we're learning. Um, I think the moment that I think that I figured I figured it out is uh, is the moment where you know you're about to take a good dose of humility. And you know I've been just back and forth with that mindset so often throughout life. Where like I figured it out and I did it, and then it's just like something goes wrong, and you realize like ah, I didn't see that coming. Guess I didn't have it figured out. And so I think if you know you can sort of you know beat it to the punch if you just always stay in a mindset where you're learning from from everyone and and everything that you can always be in a state of learning because uh, we never actually really figure it out so um yeah i i think just just harnessing the virtue of humility is going to take you pretty far um and keep you in that student mindset mm -hmm. now from here do you have any do you have any big plans, any big, any big, not shifts, but any, any future goals, any new milestones that you have your eyes set on for yourself professionally, personally? Um, you know, we're still all in this journey and, you know, hopefully, you know, there's more to experience, but do you have anything in particular that you have in your line of sight that you're aiming for? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, you can see, you know, up, up here, this, uh, where is it? There we go. Yeah, so that, that award right there is the, the Golden Door Award from Door-to-Door uh, -door Conference, which is hosted every year out in Utah. Um, so that's sort of what kind of the recognition of what puts you in like the top 1% of your particular industry in the door-to-door -door space. Uh, so, um, I am working to get another one this year as well, just to kind of prove like, look, yes, I can, I can maintain this and, and continue to do this, you know, while also living a balanced life while also building, you know, a speaking brand and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so I'm looking to do that. And then I'm also, uh, looking just to continue to build, build this, this brand and, and, and share this mission of, um, work-life balance and, and, and less is more and figure out what it is that you actually want in life. Um, cause having that vision is going to really help you, uh, fight, fight the burnout and fight the complacency. Uh, so yeah. So talk now that I, that I've, I've really kind of noticed that now talk about, is it one of those things where like you get notified that you're nominated and you are then told you need to come to this, to this location for this award ceremony and receive your, your, your award or what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, basically, they um, they just want to know what your what your revenue was at the end of the year, and then if you hit the revenue, you get the award, and then yeah, you know, um, they they you know you fly out there and, and and get the award. But I mean, even if I didn't get the award, I'd probably still go out because the networking opportunities out there are phenomenal. A um, lot of really really good leaders, so it's just a good a good asset to have just to you know head out there. So that's kind of my plan. That and I'm and I'm asking this because I keep seeing this on pretty much all my social feeds. Do you find that when it comes to networking and leaving people with your information, are people still very big on like paper business cards, or is everyone pretty much on the dot card train at this point? Um, you know, I heard a really interesting thing where they literally suggested I don't do this for roofing, um, although I'd like to consider how I could implement it. But they said don't carry business cards. Just don't, because if you're out there networking or trying to do business with other people, don't be like, oh, here's my business card. Call me. Like if you're in sales, like, no, like you want to, you want to get their information and then follow up with them and, and have that discipline and, and, and get in touch with them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there was this company called rep card out there last time, which is like a digital card wallet. And it leads to like, a sort of like a social page. Um, it's kind of like LinkedIn, but it just hyperlinks all of your other um, you know, online presence there. So it, and you can do like a welcome video and you can do all this kind of really, really cool stuff. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I think there's a big push to go more with the digital, the, the digital business cards. So one question, one final question that I, that I'm able to muster for you for this call is for people going into sales, what elements, what negative elements, what, what elements that can tell them that it's not a great place to be company or community wise, would you have someone look out for? So yep. if they're looking to get into sales, what are some red flags to look, look out, out for as far yeah. as companies go? I love that you can okay. word my question so much better than I can. <laughs> I need a lot of help this morning. <laughs> You're good, man. You're good. Um, yeah, I think, really looking at the culture. Um, so I think one of the best things you can do is talk to people who are there. Talk to people who are doing doing what you wanna do. 
you know, if you're going to go out there and sell XYZ product, go talk to somebody who's there and be like, just start asking them the, you know, all the, all the things that you want to know, um, all the way from how hard is it to like, you know, how's the culture there? You know, how do you feel like you're being treated? Do you feel like you're heard and listened to? Um, does the company care about you? Uh, like what are things, like what kind of boss do you want to have and start asking those people, you know, those kind of questions just to figure out like how close are they to your ideal boss? Um, the other really kind of nice little tidbit that I like to look at is a company's bonus structure. So a lot of times they will, they'll have, you know, a really nice trip, you know, somewhere, or they'll, it'll be some sort of thing that like, is cool, you know, or maybe it's like some shiny object, but it's not something that you actually really care about. Um, what I've found is that a lot of times it, it breeds basically this mindset of, uh, consumerism where it's like, Hey, we're going to give you this really nice thing so that you have it and you like it and it's fun. But at the end of the day, it kind of puts you in a mindset of like continuing to spend a lot of your overhead, uh, especially if you're in like a commission sales space where it's like, Hey, let's kind of bring you into like our lifestyle or this luxury thing, um, which can get really addictive because it's really nice. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's lowering your overhead and you stay poor. So you always have to go back there and work and make money for your boss. Um, so I think that's one of the things that I would certainly look out for, uh, when you're looking to get into sales. So they're like, they're kind of goals for growth as well. We talked a little bit earlier about like, some companies grow really, really fast, and you know, does the question at that point become what is their what is their trade off? Like, what's the what's being traded away for the growth oh, to yeah. happen? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, like running, running uh, you know, a marathon. You know, I think I think I think building a business like running a marathon. Um, do you want to sprint a marathon, or do you want to set a good pace that you can be consistent with? Because a lot of times you you're you're, you're have some big idea and your company, you know, goes 10 times in the following year, right? You go, you know, from a million to 10 million or 10 million to a hundred million or whatever it is. Right. And, uh, if you're growing too fast, there are trade-offs. You can, it can be really, really hard to maintain customer service. Um, you can get sloppy in so many different areas. So what's cool is that our company has not grown super, super quick. And there are a number of years um, where it actually grew really slowly, but we were building a foundation that was like super strong. And so, yeah, we might, um, we might finish the marathon. Um, but at the end of the day, like if you start out in a sprint, like, you know, you're going to have to burn out and rest and uh, at like mile two and then you're going to try again. And at the end of the day, the person that just sets a, a decent pace that's probably slower might actually end up winning the marathon sooner. So, um, again, like uh, less is more and slower is faster. It's just, I mean, it's just like, it's like universal principles, right? It's nothing special and nothing new. It's, it's, and, that's the, and that's an interesting point, too. It's not anything new, but a, the way a lot of practices are when it comes to when it comes to how people run their teams is like it that's that that is pushed out of the way so much that when you rethink about it it seems like a brand new idea but it's like oh no that's it's common mm -hmm. sense but they've worked so hard to push that out of the model 
where it's like this is it's an alien idea almost. Yeah, yeah, and that we we just have to you know we have to bring it back. That's why like the uh, the ancient practice of memento mori. You know, I was talking about that 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 Socratic principle that I that I practice in my own life to just sort of keep myself in check is um is so helpful like it's nothing new in fact it's it's ancient it's thousands of years old um and yet it's so relevant to us because just like the people thousands of years ago were human we're human too and we're susceptible to the same flaws and the same weaknesses as our ancestors were man i gotta say this has been uh the not only a fun experiment for the first virtual interview for casual battle but it's been one of the best interviews and discussions so far. I'm really happy that we got a chance to sit down and talk. That's great. Um, before I end it, is there anything? Actually, firstly, how can people reach you? Oh, my God. How can people reach you? Why should they reach out to you? What's your shebang? What's going on with you that people should be touching base with you regarding? Yeah, yeah. if you feel like you're just in a place where uh, you need sort of help recalibrating things and feeling burned out or feeling unfulfilled or... Um, you don't have that work-life balance, you know, uh, I shoot me a DM on Instagram, LinkedIn, anything like that. I would love to start a conversation and see maybe how I might be able to help you kind of opening up like a coaching, uh, sphere, if you will. So you can find me on Instagram, which is that dot James dot guy. And then you can find me on LinkedIn and bro, I'm going to leave it up to you just to, just to drop a link for my, my LinkedIn profile and your show notes. So, uh, those are all the links. Yeah. So, but those are the two places that you can find me that I'm relatively active on. So.